Hello and welcome to The Rewriters, a celebration of people who have shirked convention, expectation and even their own limitation to rewrite their story on their terms. Each episode will dig into the inspired and very real life stories of people who have done just that, rewritten their story. I'm a nosy practical optimist too, so expect all of the nitty gritty details. If you're an ambitious seeker craving a different kind of lifestyle, career or business, but have felt held back by your own or other people's beliefs about what's possible or permissible, The Rewriters is for you. Hello, Rewriters, and welcome to the episode. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah Potter, aka La Dolce Vita Coach. She is a hypnotherapist and emotional intelligence coach. She offers Reiki, marketing for healers, coaches, and therapists, and she is also a vegan cake maker. Sarah describes herself as a multi-potential woman. We talk about what this actually means during our conversation, but essentially Sarah has lots of loves and different threads to her career. She's unapologetic about it and she loves to help other women unfurl their own multi-potential careers too. Sarah believes that everyone can and should be able to do purposeful work that lights them up. Coaching and hypnosis helped Sarah to get unstuck from an outwardly successful life in international marketing that left her feeling hollow inside, and that's something that I certainly can relate to. Using many of the tools that we discuss in today's episode, she was able to build a life that embraced her love of travel, service, and creativity, all supported by a portfolio or multi-potential career. During our conversation, we discussed the role intuition and values played in her career change or career changes, and we also tried to dispel some of the myths about having a linear traditional career. Career change and exploration at any stage or at any age is exciting and welcome as far as we're both concerned. Now, the sound on my audio is a little bit below par at the start of the episode, but it does clear up pretty quickly, so please bear with if you would like to connect with Sarah and work with her to shape a multi-potential career too, check out the show notes. I will link to her signature six-month program, La Dolce Vita Resilience Boost, which is a blend of holistic healing and science-based coaching that will help you to design more sweet days and live a life that you're excited to wake up in. It starts in November 2021, so you'll need to get in quick. In the show notes, I will also link to my flagship program, Rewrite Your Career Story, which is a six-week group coaching program for stuck, overwhelmed, and over-it professionals who want to have a career and a life. It's running again in late January 2022, which is perfect timing to write the career story that you want to write for the year ahead. Check the show notes to find out more. Okay, on with the episode. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for having me. So you are a career rewriter extraordinaire, and I am super excited to be talking to you about your very rich and very wonderful career story. So before we dive into that, could you share who you are and how you would describe what you do? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm Sarah Potter, uh, La Dolce Vita coach, which means the sweet life in Italian, because I am all about helping women to realize their sweet life, however they define it. You describe yourself as working with multi-potential women, and you're also a bit of a multi-potential and multi-passionate yourself. Mm -hmm. What is a multi-passionate, multi-potential person? (laughs) It's such a good question. Um, I think often known as a portfolio career as well, I think, is 
a multi-potential person is someone that is actually really good at more than one thing and there's lots of there's lots of chatter especially in the online space about only doing one thing oh actually even just generally in careers right like you've got to do one thing and you've got to stick at it forever because once you've put effort and time in then you've got to keep on going like keep on going up that path but actually some of us are we have these different skills and abilities and often there are threads that run through certainly when I started moving into consulting and working for myself it made people around me quite uncomfortable that I did lots of different things but when I look back on my career even when I was in a corporate world I was always involved in lots of different projects it's okay to be good at these things I mean they're psychologists that are also professional violinists and you know it's okay but it's just not the norm why do you think it makes people uncomfortable I think it's because it shines a light on where they're not really using their own skills there's all this kind of not true stuff sitting out in the in the you know in general conversation about what it means to do more than one thing like there's lots of assumptions made you're flighty or you're not committing to anything or it just makes people it makes people feel uncomfortable for lots of reasons but I personally think it's primarily because it makes them feel uncomfortable about what they've dropped in their own world Um, because we all have passions or things that really light us up that we might have put down for for real work whatever that means (laughs) you know a career a big one that came up for me um earlier in my career and it's one that comes up for a lot of my clients is the um, fear of of change or doing different things because you're too old or it's too late and I actually had I speak about this in my very very first ever episode of the rewriters when I was 29 and I was doing a professional qualification in marketing and my cousin who was in her early 20s I'd been working in marketing for a while already but I didn't have a professional qualification so I was working towards that And she really couldn't wrap her head around why I was bothering because I was so old. At 29. (laughs) (laughs) And let's not tell her that I I trained as a coach when I was in my late 30s. Yeah, like 90-year-olds do degrees. That's so funny. (laughs) Have you you found with your clients that you get a lot of the I'm too old or it's too late stories coming up? Yeah, so... Yes, definitely. And I definitely had that projected on me in my own journey as well. It's like, oh, well, there's certain things that you need to do in life. So why are you wasting time, you know, messing around doing different things? Like, do you and everybody from friends and family will project that onto you to taxi drivers. (laughs) It's it's amazing where this um, projection comes from. But there's a lot of um, expectation that we must continue on this trajectory. And honestly whose career ever just solidly goes up like that like things change and you you know things change at work your role changes lots of things happen that are out of our control so this perception that it's always on this one track is kind of also not true the key is getting to the point where you find something that really really lights you up so much that you don't really care what anybody else says because I think that's the the that's the thing that people find challenging is at the point of inflection where the clients know that they want to do something different. Sometimes it can feel quite overwhelming because there's lots of feelings that come with um, 
that need to change like did I do mm-hmm. did, should I have done that other career yep. maybe I'm wasting I'm wasting it I'm losing it and like it feels like a risk but actually it's not really because you take all that experience with you into the new world and whatever you train with so it's a melting pot of emotions at that point of change which means that some of these fears get exaggerated I think let's pause there for a minute because I want to come back to that and and really unpack what you mean about creating change and also helping to make change stick because I know habits and emotional intelligence and resilience are a big part of your work too but before we dive into that let's take a step back a minute tell me or tell us about your multi-passionate career journey to date sure I'll start at the beginning (laughs) it's probably the easiest um so I got a place at uni when I was 18 to do a bunch of random subjects that I was just interested in so it was Italian media and American studies I don't know what I was going to do with that but it was all stuff that that interested me and there was conversations that happened that challenged you know what are you what are you going to do with that and I was like I don't know actually and it made me feel a bit nervous and my dad put in front of me a job application for an apprenticeship with a big energy company and I thought I'll just apply and see how it goes and I actually really really enjoyed the interview process the open day it was it was really cool it's like you can train you can work you can travel you can do all these things that interest you and it kind of encompassed a lot of the things that were drawing me about the degree but getting paid at the same time and having a pathway so it it, I went off down that track I did an apprenticeship um, with them I did my I studied as I went along did it it was a it was a finance business and finance qualification and I hated finance (laughs) I hated the finance bit as soon as I hit a marketing module I was like right that's it and I loved the program because I did a placement every four to eight months um and then as soon as the um, two years were up and I'd done that marketing module the first marketing job that came up I I was like I want to do that because I just loved it because it was all about understanding people and their motivation Every goal I set myself, I hit. So I loved marketing in that organization because it wasn't a, it was an engineering and energy company. It wasn't a traditional marketing company. So it was very entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial in how we worked. We had small teams. I got involved in so much stuff that I wouldn't have been exposed to in a more traditional marketing organization. So I traveled a lot. I had fall through the line accountability when I was like 25 I had massive budgets it was amazing but I very quickly just achieved all my goals and was like it didn't really fill me up I kind of would get to the role or the salary amount or the I'd be learning constantly and just still not feel that fulfilled I also burnt out when I was 25 um and really made me reevaluate because I was I was doing so much stuff spinning so many plates at one point I had two jobs I was doing a UK job and a European job Mm. um working for somebody who had a very different working style to me and was very um 
mercurial let's say in their management style so would like withhold information and expect me to know it and I'm still not the best mind reader so it it was a very it was a, a not a great combination and it really made me reassess what I was doing from a work point of view and I changed it up went and worked so I thought okay I'll take this experience and go and work for different kinds of organizations maybe purpose is going to help so my my evolution came in stages so I thought okay we'll take these skills and do something that aligns to something that I really really you know really care about I went and worked for a university because education is empowers people helps take people forward but actually they're very quickly learned that actually and and there again I did um project work so I would work for one faculty for a year and another faculty and I'd get into the detail of how they worked and I was constantly challenging myself I really loved the going in and fixing things so I did maternity cover for a few years and would go in and you know work with the faculty fix all their problems and then move on to the next thing and it wasn't I didn't I didn't get bored but it was just always it just wasn't hitting the spot I quickly realized that public sector probably wasn't my bag so I thought okay how can I use this experience but then get to do the things that really light me up that was when I started contracting because I thought actually I've got this massive bank of experience I can get paid more to do it and have more free time because you don't have to be on and working all the time. So I'd work for six months and have six months off. And in the six months off that I had, I would then invest in courses or go and volunteer. And in that time as well, um, before I was traveling, I had a baking business too. So I would like, <laughs> that was the one benefit to um, the time when I didn't travel actually was that I could. I mean, there were days where I would bake, I would go into work every day and then I would bake every day in the evenings as well. But it was never a chore. It was never like I just loved it. So there was no. No, like, oh, I have to do this. It was just something that I really loved and I couldn't imagine not doing it. And that first business was just a hobby that paid for itself. Um, but yeah, there's all these funny stories that, that I told myself when I was in like starting that business and oh I need to try I need to practice for a year and then I'll have a business I did one course and the stuff I bought back from that one course someone asked me to make their wedding cake for them and the business was born. It sounds like there's as you went along you were continually moving towards the things that you needed and moving away yeah. from the things that you didn't yeah you try something and go that's not it and it yeah. looks at that more of this yeah it was definitely it was a lifestyle experiment is what I call it because it kind of I would it's a big thing to when you realize this thing that you've put so much effort into career-wise mm. is not quite hitting the spot and you might be good at it so I thought, I'm good at marketing I loved it and people you know but it just wasn't the right thing for me and I felt a lot of guilt about that I felt even some shame like oh maybe I picked the wrong thing you know maybe I wasted that time but okay well what I need to pay my bills I need to eat so what are the ways to do this more flexibly and try different things I started off doing fixed term contracts because there's security in that like you know you're going to have 
six months, 12 months and you're salaried. Then I got a bit braver and started doing day rate contracts. It kind of, it was an evolution. It wasn't a revolution. And that's what I talk to my clients about. It's like, you might feel like you want to throw everything up in the air and change everything. Actually, there's a lot of merit in just unpicking things and, and trying things. And actually, because you've got to meet your, your needs at the end of the day in terms of food and shelter and fun, which is important. <laughs> Have it pulling the rug out completely is wildly uncomfortable. And there's very few people that will thrive in that environment. For most people, the evolution works a lot better because you still get to try things, you still get to play but you do it knowing that you're also taking care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely speaking my language there because so many of the people that I work with, are, you know, they're frustrated in their careers. And when people are really frustrated in their careers and they reach out for help, they've typically reached a point where they don't know what to do now and it's becoming mm -hmm. untenable for them to continue. And that's at the point where they want to throw the whole thing out pull the rug out from underneath themselves, make big, huge change. Um, and so often it's that thing that you described, you know, how do you move closer to the things that you enjoy, keep the bits of this that you like, and then move away from the stuff that you're not enjoying and let go of the bits that you don't like and turn those dials and tweak and adjust and just pause for a minute. Don't do anything hasty. <laughs> It's remarkable what can happen. I've seen people yeah. come to me wanting to quit their job because they hate it and leave having fallen in love with that same job. Same job, just making some intentional tweaks. Mm. And it, it might be about, you know, asking for extra projects or changing your hours so that you've got more room to do the stuff that fills you up. Because I think there's a lot of people, there seems to be a lot of people women in the marketing world that are stuck in these um loops I guess it's like there's a lot of creative women that we've kind of collated there because it's the most creative we can be in the corporate world but it doesn't always you know projects expand teams change their remits and we get swept up along with it right and actually just doing a bit of a reassessment of actually I don't like the strategy work or, or, or as you progress you end up in strategy not doing any implementation and yeah. actually that might be your bag yeah um it's having those little moments to just reassess they're really really important they're important to do before I mean I also am a, a marketer a marketeer and uh, ended up there because it was the most creative thing that you can do in an organization. I certainly didn't come out of university planning to work in marketing. I fell into it like so many um, would-be creatives, artists, mm. failed or not quite ready yet creatives find themselves in marketing or you know, maybe people that will one day be therapists or coaches because they want to connect with people, tell stories, they find themselves in marketing. Um, but it took me a while to reach the point that I was ready to move on. And, and, and I am the kind of person that can pull the rug out from underneath myself. But actually, I was thinking about that and mentally sort of brewing my plan and also had been making the tweaks, you know, moving towards the things that I liked, moving away from the things that I didn't like over some time before I did that. Uh, so I 100% agree. There's absolutely no point leaving before you've given yourself an opportunity to really explore uh what the, what the parts are that you enjoy and what the parts are that you don't and let yourself play 
because it might not be how you think <laughs> it's laughing you mean when you come and, out the other side yeah uh, and also you might just be tired so I did things like um like I knew I wanted to travel more on my own terms because mm. I'd traveled a lot with work but it had always been amazing opportunities and I'd always intend oh, I'm going to add a weekend on and I'll make I never had time because there was always something to get back for or so I started plugging in okay you know you want to travel let's just try doing take a break between contracts just have a month off see how that works see if you like it and the first time I did it it was actually enough and I came back feeling really good and I met a few and you meet people there's serendipitous moments that happen so I actually met someone that worked for the same company but in New Zealand and she's like oh yeah we do these and you kind of see people that mirror the things that you need to see or hear at that particular point in time and and she's like oh yeah we do these long trips and I was thinking no it's okay maybe I can do it it's fine and then within two weeks of being back after that month-long trip I was like no I can't something needs to <laughs> I need to do something and but I gave it a chance I gave yeah. it a chance of saying actually let's is it okay that I do just have a month and then work for the rest of the year and actually it wasn't at that particular point in my life and I think that's the other thing is I think there's this idea that once you make a change that then that has to be it mm, and yeah it's that you just go from one thing and then it's just this one thing actually we all have seasons of our life so that model of working for six months and having six months off worked when I was in my late 20s early 30s it's not really what I want right now especially when travel is different and that's fine like I used to write it down in my journal every day at the top of the page was work for six months travel for six well work for six months travel for three volunteer for three that was the um the the baseline so it was very front of mind but it's different now and that's fine doesn't mean that was wrong doesn't mean what I'm doing now is wrong it just changes that's so true so often we see changing our mind or no longer wanting to do the thing that we did before as uh, getting it wrong yeah we failed we didn't have the right answer people fear making a move because it might be the wrong move and then they're wrong and they might get egg on their face they might be judged maybe they won't be but it's in their head they believe that they Mm. will be so that kind of nicely neatly segues us back to the point that we were talking about earlier around these points at which the people that you work with are butting up against the need for change and um, you know, helping them gear up for embracing that change, but also making that change stick. Can you talk a little bit about how you use tools like emotional intelligence and resilience and habit forming to help people with that? And also talk to how we can take the shame out of changing our minds and, and doing things differently, even if we had a different view of it before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the emotional intelligence is magical when it comes to making change stick because it's it's a scientific process that goes into kind of where you're at right now so every time you go into an emotional intelligence profile the the system that I use it's making an assessment of where you are today it's not rigid it doesn't mean that that's where you are forever it's just at that particular point in time so it gives you a strengths profile of where you're really really kind of excelling and then the areas that might find challenging and there'll generally be patterns in terms of what's really going to help you make things happen 
and we prioritize there it's, we acknowledge the stuff that's challenging but don't dwell there because I think too often as the brain is programmed to do um focus on the stuff that that we're not good at um actually let's play in the strengths place and then start to make a a, a gap analysis on where you are where your world is right now versus where you're naturally inclined to be strong because often there's something going on there um, and then a massive amount of judgment for what's down here in the kind of not so strong space that and that, and that does I think the inclination is oh I need to get better at that it's not necessarily the case it might just be that you need to find people in your world that can fill those gaps whether that's a team or might be a partner or you know or ask invite people in to help you more so there's a we do a, a a bit of a review of where you're at versus where you'd really like to be and that is actually a really uncomfortable place for people at start point so when I do that with clients we do it with no limits there's no if you if there's money was no issue where is it that you'd really like to be and it's really confronting because when do you ever get to dream and really imagine without any it's, it's you naturally well that would you know I'd, that I'd have to train for this long and it would cost this much and blah 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 and I'm this age exactly to your point like oh am I too old and all these things all these things that come in like forget that but it's it's the highest it's for most clients it's the hardest thing for them to do like we're so used to having these limitations and judgments so we then get into the space of where they really want to be we get over that uncomfortableness and there's, there's a lot of rubs in the journey and there's space for tears and there's space for discomfort so people often cry when they see their um I don't set out to make people cry I'm a massive crier so <laughs> this is why I welcome tears because it's you know it's acknowledging things um but there's, there's often a lot of discomfort in seeing that profile for the first time because people will very quickly see ah yeah like because we know really where we shine we know really where we're in flow but it gets pushed down in the daily life of well I've got to pay the mortgage do the job whatever it is so there's these moments of um realization I guess we do the vision and then have a look at where is there opportunity to change and this is where the habits come in so it's not about saying okay well this is what you really want to do and often there's a secret dream or a secret passion that's either bubbled and is playing some kind of role um being kept quite small because it's you know it's not safe to to be there or it's been kicking around in their mind for a while but too afraid to say it out loud we pull that out and then start to look at what's the next step what's the next one step it's not about saying you know go and retrain in a completely new career tomorrow but what's the next one thing that you can do can you go and have a conversation with someone can you um so language you know if it's a language that you want for a move can you you need to commit to doing it this is not all ethereal we'll just come up with a plan I'm there to to push people to actually take the next step so if you're saying that you want to do that thing are you going to commit to 20 minutes half an hour a day or or every other day in order to take a step towards it so this is where the hypnotherapy and the habits work comes in to say okay 
what beliefs do you need to let go of in order to show up for that thing? Because it's challenging. These things are simple. You can do that stuff on your own, but it's not easy to keep showing up for them because at every point where you're making a step towards this bigger, shinier, sexier vision, your brain resists. A lot of uh, business owner clients or people that are new to like growing their business, the struggle with energy levels. So actually their vision is, I want to be able to have time to, because uh, having low energy affects productivity and they're like, oh, I want to have better energy levels. So actually their goal is a business goal because they want to be able to show up better and do things quicker so that they can have more time to do the things that they wanted to do, which is the whole point that most of us go into working for ourselves. So the goal become well, the vision is business, but the goal becomes a personal one because it's about um, sleeping better, moving more, those kinds of things. So this is where the habits weave into mm. creating that sweet life. It seems weird, like there's these basic things that we need to get right in order to get these shiny, sexy visions coming to reality. Because if you don't show up for them every day, they're not going to happen. If you've not got the energy, they're not going to happen. If you if you've not slept well and can't study well. They're not going to happen so it's about creating those building blocks yeah. and then we go back and do another at the end of, so it's a six month journey that I go on um, with the resilience boost clients and then we do another emotional intelligence profile at the end to look at the because there is always a difference so you know clients will go from often um, there's a really low self-regard score so don't feel bad about it if you do it and it comes out really low most people do and then that's one of the biggest shifts it's looking at how you're how you're taking care of your own needs to bring them to life but then also how it changes then your relationship dynamics with everybody because taking care of yourself better allows you to take care of other people it improves team relationship it, it, it's at the heart of EI is relationship dynamics and it, it really centers on how you're taking care of yourself which then ripples out to everybody else but the headlines I'm taking away from that that I think are really really actionable workable points are invest your energy in maximizing your strengths rather than trying to turn your weaknesses or areas for development around so spend the energy on the bits that you actually enjoy and are good at and Marianne Cantwell who I've had on the podcast and who I absolutely adore she wrote Be a Free Range Human um, oh, that, yeah. talks about secret superpowers mm -hmm. and just play in that space and then the next thing is the next one step or you know the next thing that you can do so rather than looking at the big the big you know at times overwhelming and huge change that you want to create what's the what's the first thing that you can do to move you towards that and then do it because yeah. there's no point uh, I mean you know we, we all fantasize about put, creating change and yeah. I've thought about it when I left my corporate job and, and started rewrite I thought about it for a very long time but you have to actually take actions to move towards that it doesn't happen um cerebrally starts there but it certainly doesn't end there um keep showing up so I talk about the little things becoming the big things and it sounds like uh, 
that's what you're talking about when you say, you know, what are the habits that you can create that are going to help support the change that you want to make and then keep doing them over and over again. Keep showing up. It's not enough to do it once. You've got to do it day after day after day. What are the 15, 20, 25 minute things each day that you can be doing to build that up? Um, and then starting with self-regard or starting with the things that take good care of you because if you start there, the ripple effect is huge and it will impact your relationships, which will ultimately impact your quality of life, the success of your business, so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. It's, if, if you're, that self-regard is high, that self-awareness is high and people can see that you're taking care of yourself, they're going to be far more likely to support you and be on board with whatever change it is that you're looking to make as well. And the, um, I, I love the, I'm totally with you on the, in the compound interest of these tiny actions, like I call them nudges, because we have these micro decisions that we mm -hmm. make on a daily basis yep. and it seems innocuous. And I'm not, you know, I have streaming services, subscriptions, but that one hour of net, like watch one hour less of Netflix a week and invest it in, it might, I mean, the next tiny step might just be listening to a podcast or spending an hour researching that qualification that you want to do or filling out the form for it or, but it doesn't need to be you know, I have to spend a whole day doing X, Y, and Z, these tiny nudges of that one less show, because you'll find very quickly that you want to go, you'll, you'll, you'll even find that very quickly that you want to go down the rabbit hole, or you don't. <laughs> um, and that's why the tiny steps are important, because they're low risk, is, okay, you might go research that thing and find a reason that you don't want to do it, and then pivot to something else, but at least you've taken the step, and the momentum then just takes you further towards where you want to be versus the alternative. So that is a really important point, actually. I think it was an interview I listened to on the Project Love podcast um, with Selena, one of the, the career coach of the duo. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about, I think it was her own career story, actually. So the, the corporate environment didn't work for her. That wasn't her bag. And so she decided to leave and throw all her, her eggs in the jewelry design basket. She was going to be a jewelry designer. She bought all the kit. Um, she told everyone that's what she was going to do. That was her new career. And then she sat down to like make the things and she was bored. <laughs> it's a very solitary yeah, yeah it's a it's a yeah I'm doing this you know she's she's the queen of chat um so you know you don't have to do the big thing the next little absolutely. thing absolutely this is why these insights are really helpful because actually she might not have invested in all that jewelry business <laughs> she, she <laughs> but we don't know these things about it's hard to work these things out for ourselves without having these little um reflection tools experiment um it's one of the uh, I work with lots of people that um they don't all want to quit the corporate world and work for themselves yeah. but a lot of them do and you alluded to this earlier in our conversation you you don't necessarily know what you're going to get when you quit your job and I don't actually think the entrepreneurial world is for everybody not that they're not capable not that everybody doesn't have the capability to work for themselves but I don't think that that life is optimal for all people if you love being in teams and then you quit your day job to be in an office 
of, of one and a company of one, you're removing one of the things that you love most. I've got a, a client who I worked with recently and the words that came through in everything that she said was team, collaboration, people. Mm-hmm. She was also considering, you know, working for herself. So if she does work for herself, those things are going to have to be met pretty early doors to ensure that she's not um, dissatisfied and not having, you know, some of her most important needs and things that really nourish her and make her feel alive as part of her as part of her business. So experimenting rather than having this idea of what you think you want putting all of your eggs in that basket diving in Mm. and then realizing it wasn't what you thought it was going to be at all yeah definitely and talking to people um because you'll get some really honest feedback from especially on in the business world about (laughs) what it's really like because as you say you know and and there's ways to find team in this world but it's not for everybody and it's not again it's not it it might not be for your stage of life so I talk to people that are actually they want to find they need to find um, something that's going to nourish them more in the short term. They might want to do something a bit more, you know, a bit more drastic later down the line. But actually, how do they find more comfort in where they're at right now? That's perfectly valid. There's nothing we you know, it's different seasons for life. Yeah, 100 percent. And I really loved working in the corporate world for a really yeah. long time. It gave me so much. Um, And now I love doing what I do now. And I often say I'll never work for someone else again. I love working for myself. I really should not say that, actually. (laughs) What's important to me and my priority now might not look the same in five, ten years time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm the same. Like, and if if a contract comes up that really lights me up, then I'll, I'll do it. Because if I've got the capacity to do it, then I'll do it. But and I do like the volunteering work I do is actually marketing work it's there's certain things that I will um you know engage with if it, if it aligns with my values but it's taking that time to work out okay what is it that really lights me up because when you it's easy I think to get drawn into the agenda of of another organization and the same as you I loved I I'm still really good friends with loads of people I work with in that industry, old bosses, and I loved it. I got so much education, skills, mm-hmm. and even I smiled so much when I did my first hypnotherapy qualification because writing scripts is really easy for me. Coming up with the copy just flows because I spent 15 years storytelling for brands and <laughs> kind of because so, I'd kind of gone on the on the course knowing that I needed to do it but not being clear on why it's just like an intuitive decision okay I need to do this I'm not sure where it's going to fit in but I'm just going to go with it and it was only on the script writing day that I it landed um so I was like well I, I just had to trust the call to do it and then was like ah okay that was why I did 15 years worth of brand and (laughs) and marketing and storytelling it was to get to this point where it would just flow really easily and to the point where one of my colleagues that um was training with me was like can I pay you to write scripts for me I'm like oh that's another opportunity (laughs) I could do I haven't gone down that route because I'm like there's so many so many things that you can do but um yeah it's what's easier for me is not easy for other people so there's always opportunities that come up and I think that's another thing is it's like knowing what to say no to mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the saying no, particularly if you are starting your own business, but also if you're in career, working out what to say no to is as important as working out what to say yes to. Yeah, I love I love the the saying if yes to this, then no to what? Like if you if there's a a bit of a grey, like, oh, I'm not sure, should I say yes or no to this? Probably a no. Um, because if you're if it if your gut says yes you know that you just need to go for it but if there's any kind of unsure what is it that you're going to sacrifice by saying yes to that thing because yeah. there generally there'll be something that you won't be giving your attention to in the way that you might like so it's your subconscious is challenging you as to whether or not that's something that really you need to show up for yeah and also it's it's often ourselves Mm-hmm. that by saying yes we're saying no to us ourselves usually our time, yeah our priority, <laughs> sadly our needs our families yeah. our stuff that we love outside of work yeah unfortunately and it's it's challenging at first because it's wildly uncomfortable to say actually I need to do this thing but the more that you do that the more you can have the capacity to be there for all of those people in a way that's healthy mm. for everybody and the more that you do that, the more that you realize that the world doesn't end when you do that. <laughs> so the more that you can do that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And what I find really interesting, and so for me, the first time I said no was when I burnt out in my twenties, mm. and people around me had said to me for a few weeks, like, "You need to, like, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop." And I was like, "No, no, I can't let the team down." Like, I was doing two jobs at the time, and it was really crazy, and. And I remember the minute that I did say no, and I was saying, I'm going to let people down. What about my reputation? I'll never, you know, no, they'll never trust me with a project again. And the reality is that in those certain careers aside, you know, obviously doctors can't just um, walk away from an operation or something. There's certain responsibilities that we have to show up for. But the first time I said no, all these people came out of the woodwork and were like, oh, yeah, this happened to me. And it's amazing and they're all still there (laughs) and they're healthy and but we don't talk about this enough I don't think the whole um making sure that we've got space and making sure that there's healthy boundaries in place for a healthy work environment and you know for you to show up at your best and that that really astounded me actually I, I, I was really young but there was a lot of um people won't think I'm very good or I can't cope and so many people came out of the woodwork and said that they'd been in similar situations at different points in time it's one of those things that really should be taught as a skill in the workplace and particularly the the more junior that you are in your organization the less likely you are to have boundaries or to have agency over your time Mm -hmm. and the more likely you are to not be able to say no to say yes to everything to not to essentially to be disconnecting from you know your intuition your capacity I can't tell you how many times and it even happens to me now sometimes as well that I don't know if I am at capacity or not because my ability to push beyond capacity is so great that it can be really difficult to say no I, I think I am at capacity now it's okay to rest it's really important that I just honor that and create time and space for that oh god it's huge that and and oh, so many things that I want to unpack out of <laughs> like, we're trained to work at capacity in those environments and I think this is the thing that 
it's like push and push and push and edge and edge and edge. And when you're young, you're wanting to learn. And, you know, there's a, there's a, I'm not a particularly competitive person with other people, but I'm quite competitive with myself, always wanting to be better every year and learn something. And we're also tuned in the very kind of masculine yang society that we live in to, to be in our heads and not in our bodies all the time. So we're actually thinking through lots of these things and ignoring so I was ignoring physical symptoms of like pain and you know all sorts of stuff um so that those check-in points are really important uh because that's our early warning system before the brain even notices it yeah that's what I wanted to ask you actually can you really underline that point so what were the things what were the signs that you were ignoring whether in your body or elsewhere, and those early warning signals that if you had your time again, you would be attuned to and stop before you reach the point of burnout. Mm. So I, oh gosh, if I, it gives me even chills just thinking about it, but I had a series of, um, I ended up with stress-related IBS, um, anxiety, like I would get like cold sweats. um, And there was like a series of, like tension in my my shoulders were like this and I would have pain in my shoulder and it's very occasionally if I'm pushing myself it will come back but um I would have a knot in my shoulder and just cut like just really tense and all these things layered and layered and layered over a period of time to the point where I walked into a meeting with my boss at the time my just my throat closed up my throat just shut down it wasn't sore it wasn't it just shut up shop and I couldn't talk <laughs> so I'd ignored like I'd ignored wow. the stomach pains I'd ignored the tension headaches I'd ignored the cold sweats I'd ignored the anxiety I'd ignored the kind of stress not sleeping all of those things they'd all built up to the point where my body was just full with I've tried to tell you you just need to shut up now and that was a day um, I think it was either I think it must have been the next day because that was in London I remember it was a restaurant in Covent Garden where I'd gone to meet him and I just I went home I went to the doctors the next day unfortunately the first doctor that I spoke to gave me he listened to the symptoms but not to the cause so he gave me some he gave me like fiber sachets or something like that for the IBS because I had this stress-related IBS and I remember going home and saying to my boyfriend I was like this is not it (laughs) I don't think this is going to help and I went back and talked to a lady doctor who was a lot more empathic and and she did this stress assessment and she said technically according to this assessment you're you're depressed but I think it's stress and anxiety so I'm going to sign you off for a month um but it took for my body to literally honestly like I can't describe it just closed up my throat closed up and I, I I was trying to speak and I couldn't it was just like nope you need to be quiet and you need to go home now one thing that you've mentioned a couple of times it's almost like the theme or it's dotted throughout our conversation so I'm going to infer that it's a very big part of how you have navigated your career and also how you navigate your business now is intuition and feeling into things and and 
feeling yourself kind of drawn to take particular courses or make particular moves. Can you tell us a little bit about how intuition works for you and how you use it in your career? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely plays a huge part. And I would say that um, I, some of my, like my big decision to move to Australia, for example, I delayed that for my intuition screamed at me after a while, you know, you say you have a calling, actually, it became a screaming. (laughs) So actually, I've been pulling, I've been tugged to make this jump and not just, you know, take these these um shorter trips and and make a bigger leap for a long time but just wasn't sure how to do it so I was spending too much time in the thinking mind again like well how does it work how am I going to make that work and it got to the point where actually I knew that that was what I needed to do and I just had to drop into trust that the idea wouldn't land with me if I wasn't able to do it and this the sign of being made redundant or like that contract ending early and being given the money to just go (laughs) like I had to trust that I had that idea and actually this has been made possible to happen much earlier than I thought and there's a moment of oh I don't know like and when the mind comes back in like I don't know can you really do it is it well uh, do you know you had the idea I have to trust it and I think it is it's it's about self-trust and if you have the idea um, you're only ever going to have so many elements of the pathway, even in your possibilities before you've even started, you've got to start taking a step and trusting that that's where you need to go before you know how it's all going to unfold. And that's not to say take mindless risks, but that this is why like having a couple of steps ahead, just being aware of what they might be and being open to how they might unfold but not being tied in these kinds of events where actually the date being brought forward by I think it was eight months yeah um it it just shows like this thing will still happen but it will always happen differently than how you think <laughs> so trusting that actually if you're being if you keep being called to look up the particular area or you know of course to study or a place to go or a person to have a conversation with maybe maybe mm-hmm. So I, um, there's certain podcasts that I listened to when I was pondering what change to make. There was, uh, they didn't make it anymore, but I still have this episode saved in my podcast library because it was just so impactful. But there was a podcast called Sisters in the Spotlight. And um, I remember listening to an episode where a lady called Rebecca Walker was um, interviewed and I just broke down in tears because the story that she shared was so similar to where I was at in terms of having built something and then not feeling like it. It was like the ladder was up against the wrong, the wrong wall, like the Stephen Covey speak. And it just really resonated. And I'd been dancing around a change for a while, but it was hearing that story. It just broke me into pieces because it made me realize you can't ignore that calling because these ideas are coming to you for a reason. So even if it like capture them, because sometimes it's a bit overwhelming when these ideas land that are so different to what you're doing in the moment. Don't panic, write them down. Journals are my best friends. Like they're going to be so much fun to read when I get old. (laughs) Um, Write them down, capture them or, or voice note them if that's easier. 
capture them somewhere and come back to them at a time where you've got some some space to kind of sit with them and, and see you know how could that come to life or what might that look like because so often they don't make sense these ideas so saying oh I'm going to move to Australia but I don't know what I'm going to do I know I've got loads of experience I know a couple of people there I had to trust that that was going to be okay and it was I found a place to live within five days I found a job within I enjoyed uh, the Christmas season and then I found a job very shortly afterwards you know I, I had to trust that that would be okay and actually the times where I sink into that trust are the times and actually don't know what the outcome's going to be <laughs> but just know that this is the path that I need to be on at the times when I felt the happiest and it's really it goes against the grain of the traditional well there's the path and there's these five steps and then there's these six you know it's very I personally don't think it's alternative I think it's our natural way of being as humans to these are in your body telling you that something is right is is a natural communication it's spending too much time in the thinking and rationalization of stuff is the unnatural way to be that's the industrial complex that's the industrial system influencing how we make decisions so that um, is what oprah would call a teachable moment <laughs> <laughs> it's our natural way to be by paying attention yeah paying attention yeah right i'm conscious of time we're coming to the end oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk for hours chat for ages yeah <laughs> but, like this is the first day-long podcast <laughs> one more question for you um and it might seem a little bit rudimentary but I think it's important especially when you're um thinking about changing things up or adding in little different bits and pieces to your career having a multi-potential multi-passionate career or a portfolio career or throwing the whole thing out and starting again however you want to approach it what role did your personal values play in how you shaped the career that you have now and what was missing before that you've been able to add back in? Mm. Um, great question. I think it's really important. Um, so I've done a lot of work on really nutting out the values that are important to me. And I think the biggest one for me that wasn't there before was freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and I had elements of it. I had, you know, I, I, I find this chat about remote working and, really funny right now because even when I was in corporate I worked remotely and was in charge of my time to a certain extent but actually freedom of how I show up how I speak if I so in turn when I say how I speak I mean in tone of voice I still catch myself now occasionally slipping into copywriting that's very corporate in style <laughs> um, but yeah freedom to say actually I'm gonna have six months off and six months travel like that freedom to show up because that for me was about my niece and nephew were very young at the time so it meant I could go and spend time with them because they lived overseas I also had a lot of friends that had really young children and if I didn't have time off in the day I wouldn't have seen them or got to know their tiny people which is really important to me and as much as yes you can have flexibility or I could have flexibility in the corporate role that I had wouldn't have gone down too well if I was just going to hang out at the park 
instead of joining conference calls. So freedom is something that if I'm looking at an opportunity and it doesn't give me that freedom, it, even if it, you know, if it, and when I'm designing programs, for example, I design them around the schedule that works for me to have Fridays off, Mondays to do my business admin, you know, I've got the space and the freedom to be able to create what I want. Um, service and community are things that are really important to me as well. So that I am in service of women and helping other women shine and rise and that I'm contributing something back to the community, whether that's in the work that I do or predominantly it's around making space to be able to, to serve in, in my volunteering um, work. And then also fun. <laughs> like It's got to be fun because if it's not fun, then there's no point um, for anybody. If I'm not enjoying it, if clients don't like it, then there's no point. So I think it's really easy when we talk about values to be in a space of like, well, you know, what does this mean? Like, yes, it needs to mean something, but it needs to be fun as well. So fun is another thing that if I'm not enjoying it, I'm a, um, I think maybe it's the creative in me, but I've got to be in flow and I've got to be just, this is what I love about my work. It's like an ease, I get so excited when I'm prepping for clients and, you know, whether it's an energy treatment or um you know hypnotherapy or ei it's like it's fun it's really fun for me it'll be horrible for somebody else <laughs> but it's fun for me so that i mean those things incorporate the service the community the free like they some things will incorporate everything and some things will incorporate just one or two but as long as those needs are being met then it's a tick as long as long as the, at least one of them is being met then it's a tick from me fantastic well thank you so so much I have absolutely loved having this conversation um there's a, I have like three or four other questions that I wanted to um where can people find you and what do you think is the kind of the, the number one thing you'd like to steer them towards have you got any courses coming up any programs coming up you'd like to shout about um yeah so you can find me on instagram at la dolce vita coach um which i think will be linked in the show notes and i've got a six month resilience boost coming up uh first week in november so i think it's perfect timing for when this show comes out and that is the journey that i was talking to earlier about getting in deep on where your strengths are and how we can make a map for you to get to that and unpick the beliefs that have been holding you where you are um, right now with the use of hypnotherapy so it's a six-month journey to help accelerate you towards your la dolce vita wonderful so if you're interested then <laughs> drop me a message i'd love to chat so if you if you're thinking that you might be a multi-potential in making um mm. you've got a course coming up for those yeah ones beautiful yeah well thank you um and i really look forward to speaking to you again at some point i'm sure we'll have hours and hours of chat <laughs> yeah <laughs> you take care thank, thank you for having me yes bye-bye that was it. I hope you really enjoyed our conversation and that it's given you some ideas and inspiration to follow your intuition and change up your career in a multitude of ways so you too can create your sweet life. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to share it with a friend or give it a rating, five stars ideally. It really does make the show more findable to others who may need it.
That is the final episode of The Rewriters for the year too. I'm taking a break over December to go to Australia and visit loved ones that I've not been able to see since well before the pandemic. So lastly, I just want to wish you an absolutely beautiful holiday season and I look forward to being back in your ears in the new year. Take care, Rewriters. Bye-bye. The Rewriters is produced, written and presented by Monique Shaw, original artwork by Kiana Perry and original music by DJ Simmons.